Jin Dobrejechi, it's the Flurza Experience, a show about card games, and uh, it's episode number 22. My name is Matt, a.k.a. Flake. I'm joined this time by... Oh, I didn't come up with one. Um, it, well, it's Pavel Berja, we know that. Maybe you can... Easy. Can, yeah, can you just help me with this this time? I am, I am now the flesh, uh, flesh and blood apprentice. I you am, are. Uh, I am learning. I wanted to use this opportunity to thank the whole Warsaw flesh and blood community for welcoming me with open hands and say that probably I will be sucked into another card game. Yay! My wallet is already happy. Yay! Oh, baby. <laughs> um, I don't want to say that I I'm blame responsible. You. Do I you? blame you. <laughs> well, look, it's a good card game. It's an excellent card game. And it's so different from Gwent. Uh, and that's like... And Magic. And Magic. Also. It, it's very... I mean, it, it takes similar pieces from Magic, which is fine. But I mean, like, in, in all reality... Um, it has such a unique approach to that framework because we always talk about the framework of life totals and creatures and battling and yeah. whatever. This has a very unique approach. And what I like about this, honestly, is the fact that given the fact that it's like hero centric, uh, everything revolves around the hero of a choice. The heroes that you select are so on, on the surface, they seem very similar. It's like, OK, you present attacks, you present blocks, you trade damage. That's all it is. But once you start flushing out bigger strategies and understanding the ideologies of the heroes, you're like, holy Moses, these, there's so yeah. much to these. Like One hero plays so much differently than every other hero. They're all so unique. And that's why what I like about this, uh, this game as well, about Flesh and Blood and like the community around it, is that there are, much like in Gwent and much like in Magic, that are people who are just like, I'm a blue player, or I'm a Grixis player, or I'm a this. Yep. There's, there's this association, this adherence to their their identity like there are people who are like i only play this one hero through thick and thin if it's good if it's nice. bad there are, there's something called the league of leviah of players because leviah is like one of the worst heroes in terms of performance but there's like this group of hardcores that only bring leviah to tournaments and only play that that hero and they have made like they have gradually seen success they've gradually like got top eights with this really bad hero and <laughs> That's what I love about it is people who just are like, no, I am a I'm a Katsu main or I'm a Dorinthia main. I love it. Yeah, gotta love that. And and I feel like also what you mentioned, like similar to what I see, Gwent, is like the community is very welcoming since I feel like the game is still fairly new, although it's like two years old, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like, yeah, I've I've I was surprised by the warm welcome of like open hands, like we'll help you out, we'll teach you the ropes, how, how to play, you know. Because I only have two decks, like thanks thanks to you, I have two decks. Um, so I, I went and purchased uh, Briar and and Fi or Fay, I, I don't know. Yeah, Briar and Fi, yeah. And Fi, yeah. So yeah, I'm about to you know decouple those and play as much as as possible to kind of see the play style. Because like I said, I only played before Oldham, uh, which was a borrowed deck. So happy to get mine. Double sleeved everything. Um, still reminded me why I love the experience of actually taking a card in my hand and putting it in sleeves and then yep. getting everything ready to actually go and sit down and, and play with people. So, yeah. It, it's a whole different experience when, like, part of the joy is there's always that pre-tournament panic sometimes where I'm like, okay, I have my list. It's on paper. I've practiced it online with people. I'm so comfortable. Now is the final mode. It's like It's like, you know, when you're, 
you're you do the dress rehearsal at a wedding or this and that yeah. you go through it and then it's literally the day before and you're like okay you're you're there i'm like i need to get my shoes where's my belt where's my this is like you know is everything going on and you're sleeving your cards you're going through your collection i need one more copy of blue captain's call so you got to go hunt for it and you pick it out <laughs> it's exactly that experience God, i love it i'm so i'm so happy that you're you enjoy it and um it's it's just Honestly, like when I go to events now, also, it's not a matter of I'm excited to either cast the event or play in the event. I'm excited to see the people. I'm excited to yeah. to be part of the community. It's so good. It's just so good. That's what I always enjoyed about Gwent and being part of like this this game for so many years. It's just seeing the community grow, seeing the community change, like getting to meet all the people like in person, but also online, getting to interact with them, like having people now on Twig. Like this is this is what I love about it. So totally. Oh, yeah. 10 out of 10. So what am I so, on yeah, Twig? like you said. Um, what am I on Twig? I don't know. Probably like this this week, it won't probably happen because of uh, Open, because we're prepping for that. Um, but maybe after Open next week, we can do we can do something because I don't have anyone for next week, if I remember correctly. Oh, hey, I'm always... oh, we'll check your calendar. We'll check your calendar. My paper. You want to check my calendar? I'll show you my calendar right now. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> full. Well, I mean, it's it, it's it's this was a this was a, a fuller month for me. Uh, nice. Next month looks uh, next month looks a little bit better, but I'm it's it's rapidly filling up with stuff, which is a good nice. sign. That's a good thing. Good. So. Today's, episode 22 yeah 22 what are we doing today what are we doing today we're talking about uh new gwent cards because black sun is coming so our latest card drop expansion called black sun or curse of the black sun as i like to call it because it talks the story revolves around the curse which was um foretold by etibolt uh back in the day saying that there will be women who are born with a curse and you know once they kind of take rain and uh you know come out into the light then the black sun will come which will like end the world so it's a very very like but etibold was a little bit crazy you need to take that into account also <laughs> and uh yeah so there will be there will be some awesome characters in this one um last reveals will happen during gwent open number two which is uh this weekend and yeah, there's 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 a lot to unpack. So we'll talk about some of the cards which you have already seen, and then uh, we'll talk about sideboard strategies because um, la last time we talked about deck building, this time we can actually talk about sideboard, which also uh, probably in my case will be more Gwent related. For you, will be uh, I mean for me it will be MTG related. For Gwent, it will be kind of more tech options that you will bring mm -hmm. or take out of your deck depending on where you're playing or in which meta you're playing so yeah uh, you know, i think we'll that's on that. i mean that's a good you know like gwent obviously doesn't have sideboards we can even talk about i we've discussed about the possibility of what a sideboard style yeah. format would look like in gwent but ultimately sideboarding as a concept um uh, you know there's the direct version which you mentioned in mtg where you play best of threes and you have a sideboard and after yeah. game one you're allowed to swap out out of your into your pool of 15 of your sideboard cards flesh and blood is basically since it's not best of three it's it's just a one-off um mm -hmm. after your opponent reveals their hero you can then sideboard so you'll have to make a decision like is this you know that's why there are certain decks like for instance lexi livewire which is like the elemental ranger yeah uh, she could play control or she could play aggro so it's hard to figure out you know, how do you sideboard when all you mind know is games. the hero? Yeah, big time mind games. Absolutely. That's why 
part of it is like I we mentioned this on many different episodes. Not to mention this is a, a discussion I've had with Shinmiri in the past about, and just in in general, when people want advice on how to advance and like how do I go from rank five to pro? Meta analysis is one of the your best Most keys. Important. Yeah, so that's why you know that's why sideboarding is so clutch. So we're going to talk about that as well. But uh, the new Gwent cards is the first order of business, and I think yeah. that everybody was absolutely over the moon horny for new cards and this is a good thing <laughs> like let's just get real now and i we've discussed this as well i don't think that the amount of cards is uh is enough but i i think that any content drop is is going to be great and the fact of of the matter is that if the 25 cards that are being pushed are all you know, inspired, relevant, um, great design. That is a, a, a good thing in itself. Um, I, I, you know, I, I often criticize and I often am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm often a critic of how content in Gwent is, is dropped and, and sort of the progression and the pace in which it's released. But I will always be somebody who gives a massive thumbs up and, and am grateful for when the cards that do come are great are unique and i think that the previous set that came out though it was only 22 or 23 cards or whatever or 21 cards the fact that they were impactful was great and i, I like that because it, it was not just fluff and filler um the cards that are coming through have very unique and inspired design and i and i really do like that yep yeah i totally agree and also i feel like with with the previous drop which was forgotten treasures like players very quickly figure those cards out and they're kind of now waiting for, you know, for an injection of new stuff to kind of play around with and kind of uh, have some fun with. But also I feel like with the cards that we have already shown, we're kind of showing that we're sticking true to what our idea is for this year, which is, uh, you know, lifting and boosting up existing archetypes, which are maybe underperforming. And a great example is Harmony, which I was, I was hinting at this so hard for such a long time. That I was like, you know, it's an archetype and in, in, in you know in Scoyatel, which hasn't been seeing much play, but players really want it to be better. And that was kind of that was kind of the idea. So I'm happy with 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 what we're doing. Um I of course would like to see more cards, but you know, we I think we discussed this numerous times that it's it's a matter of uh, capacity in terms of what we're able to do. Plus us working on Golden Necker at the same time also kind of is limiting yeah. us. But yeah, I, I'm just excited that we're getting new toys to play with. I'm happy that for this drop, um, it has a very coherent, tight theme to it. Plus, uh, we got to do a nice and cool trailer for it. So that will happen for, for launch day. So I'm excited for that. Oh, big time. Big time, big time, big time. And and again, like when it comes down to it, um, you know, new cards are great and it's that's just the fun of it and that's what we love as card game players we like new content and whenever new content is is coming in we think about new strategies we think about like where we will fit the new cards uh we theory craft about them and we also see community stumbling over them and thinking like what is this gonna do it's like oh my god this is and i love people like claiming that the cards are already overpowered without even playing them which is Always my favorite thing. <laughs> oh yeah, it's if it's not outrage, and uh, you know, it's just the way it is. Like people are already beating the drum of like this is OP, this is bullshit, you know, BS or whatever. It's but like new cards have to be a little bit tuned, you know. Well, I mean, bit. again, yeah, you, you gotta sort of give them an extra kick in the ass in order to make them appealing and and play yeah. 
But then that that's where power creep becomes an issue, and this is a whole other discussion, which we've also had a million times. But again, <laughs> the fact that people like I, I think it was Zuby Doo who like was re- responding or or re- reply tweeting or something or quote tweeting something where somebody was already bitching about the fact that like certain cards are are going to be busted or something is like neglected or whatever. It's like. Dude, the cards aren't out yet, and I I had to remind him. I'm like, don't like, Reddit is is the voice of the unhappy. It's the voice of the of the, you know, of the slighted and disturbed about about things. The people who are actually enjoying things. And the fact is, is like, keep in mind that, yeah, you know what? Ten percent of of uh, if 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 the if the common sentiment right now is that something is bad. All the people who are enjoying it are not on Reddit talking about it. And then if you fix yeah. that one thing that's upsetting, the people who don't like something else will then replace them. So there will be constantly a voice of uh, criticism about things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything needs to be constantly addressed over time. But this is a, a, a drum that we have beaten into a bloody pulp over the fa- over half a year already. So we don't need to dig into that. But what we can dig into is something that I am not a fan of, which is scenarios. Um, I think that <laughs> I think that new scenarios was an inevitability. I don't think, yeah. and like I, I'm, I just don't like. I don't like scenarios in the same way that I do not like quests in Hearthstone. I don't like objectives in Star Wars CCG. Way back mm-hmm. when, uh, I don't like. I'm trying to think of other. Like there are certain other like Runeterra has these landmarks that have wind conditions on them. Like if you heal up to 20 health on your units you win the game like those kinds of things those feel like quests or or objectives or whatever um but those build around style framework cards i've never really been a fan of because they take up so much provision space and all of your strategy is there to support one one objective one major power play and i've never really been a fan of those types of build around cards yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm the type of person that likes scenarios. Um, I like uh, the idea for the whole thing, uh, but I kind of get that it can be polarizing when it comes to players. Like, you know, they either like them or they hate them. But I've also seen that there was a lot of requests for more scenarios. I think the just having one perfection was was not enough. So that's why more are kind of coming in with this. With this one we kind of spoiled them with um with having the pack on the on the website. So yeah, I mean I like scenarios. I like the new ones and I just want to see how much they were actually influence gameplay. Because I know that you know currently having one most of them are run. Uh, Apart maybe for some factions, some of them are, don't see much play, but um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here to see kind of what will come out of this. Oh, I agree, I agree. More cards is always great, and um, yep, has. No, I can't. I don't know if I can say it, but the major pieces, some of those focal points. For instance, the the neutral legendary has that been? Will that have been released yet? I don't think so. Nope. Okay. So all you Dagon stands will have to wait for the release yep. of Dagon, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> you'll see the game text. Um, but uh, yeah, y'all be happy. But like the the new cards here, what I like is that um, Harmony is getting a little bit of a, a boost. And, yes, finally. <laughs> right. And it was a great, but keep in mind, a lot of people were not around when Harmony was absolutely OP busted over the top. 
Um, this is this is a true fact. For those of who were saying, well, Harmony leads love. It's been garbage forever. No, Harmony was tier zero no, for a while. It used to be so good. Yeah, Harmony with um, Mystic Echo or whatever the the leader ability was, the one that allowed you to replay um, a special card from your graveyard was the way to play Scoia'tael. It wasn't even close. Forget traps, forget swarm, forget movement, forget uh, control, no unit. Harmony was head and shoulders the best thing to do because it had the opportunity to potentially put four engines on the board in on one turn. Like, yeah. it was nuts it was obscene remember when it would just like go off when that when that thing went off it was just like damn dude yeah. you were it was unstoppable well you you were able to play like imprisonment which was you know lock two units and and deal three so your best option because basically the the move was you play uh water of broccolon to spawn two dry to uh two dryads are they called dryads druids yes dryads what am i dryads dryads i don't know why for in my head i was you know anyway you play the two Dryad engines, then you use your leader ability to replay that that special to get another. So you had four. The best you can do, the best you can do, was on lo on imprisonment, lock two with your ability, and then play a card from hand to kill or lock another one, and you still had yeah. one left. That was the best that you can do. Um, otherwise, most players are like, okay, four engines. I will answer one. Then your opponent will likely play another card, and now they have four engines, and the other three engines are now fives, and then they're sixes, and then the it was over the top the worst thing possible. Um, it was the most powerful engine deck, I think, um, that Scoia'tael. I would argue that it was possibly one of the most powerful engine decks that Scoia'tael ever had. I have to say it was. Yes. Like, it, it was the most powerful. Like, when we introduced Harmony for the first time, it was the most like heavy engine deck for for Scoia'tael and I feel like it was it was fairly overpowered like fairly overpowered and that's why I think it also got nerves very quickly so yeah it was it was a crazy one yeah and and like the part about this that I think is also interesting to discuss is the fact that the leader ability I feel like leader abilities are now kind of I made a video about this like years ago when um I think it was when when Karanthir's ability got changed to nine provision and like um, overwhelming hunger went from three to two charges. And, and the discussion was basically about how certain card designs and cards are getting the, like they're getting changed, but they're also changing the landscape of, of the leaders and stuff that they are working around. Like there's there's when one card gets hits the board and hits the, the game, you know, or hits, you know, enters the game mode or whatever. There are so many different um, peripheral things that get hit by the shrapnel, like, mm -hmm. v like for instance, V or Vi. Like th yeah. that card changed what overwhelming hunger looks like. Um, yeah. Caranthir got changed because other cards could not interact with it, or, or should not have been able to interact with it properly. And um, one of those things is that Mystic Echo is no longer a leader ability, and I feel it's because Scoia'tael has some pretty big uh, special cards that they can no longer, pr you know, play uh, as a result. Because Mystic Echo, you know, four sets ago or five sets ago is a whole different reasonable thing until Water of Broccolon comes out, until even, like, those Echo cards 
come back and all this other nonsense. Like, there's so many different ways that Mystic Echo could have been OP and busted. And uh, this is just, it's just part of the reality. But Harmony, for those who do not know, is, in my opinion and Pavel's opinion, apparently, the strongest Scoia'tael engine deck that has ever existed. And I agree. So there's a reason why perhaps it was on the back burner for a little while, because I think it had like a three to six month tenure as the the deck as the unstoppable easy fast pass to pro rank yeah yeah it was one of those decks that you could climb very quickly i remember i was playing it at time and if you if you if your engines were able to go off and were set up properly and it was very easy to them to make the deck go off you were just unstoppable with all the dryads everywhere and everything boosting itself, it was just, I mean, come on. Yeah, you play <laughs> it was the, a harmonious deck. It was sure. an absolutely harmonious deck. And there was like, you could play the Hawk. Like the beautiful part about it was that it was very, I don't want to say paint by numbers, but it was very simple to put together because you're like, okay, Waters of Broccolon. Um, yeah. And now I need, you know, Waters of Broccolon and Mystic Echo to play it twice. That's your start. And then it's like, okay, Fav and a, a few nature cards. And then it's like, all right, I need a Dwarf. I need some elves, I need some beasts, I need, uh, you know, at the time there was very limited in terms of what you could actually put in there, right? There wasn't, um, there wasn't too many different variations. You, you had your beast, your elf, your dwarf, uh, your dryad, etc. But then you had to be like, okay, uh, a gnome, oh, I could put a gnome in here. Like, that's a good one. Like, let's put a gnome in here. Like, there was a lot of, and then there's the tree ants. Like, let's drop, drop some tree ants in there. And you'd go through all of the different um, ways and to trigger hermits. And it all worked because basically it's it was like, all right, you open with your engine pocket and then it's like based on what your opponent plays, it's like, okay, do I play the dwarf, the elf, the this, the that, but it doesn't matter because I'm going to get boosts off, off, off all of them. I don't want to say it was a deck that played itself. But it was a deck that was that uh, had. I kind of did. It, it did to a degree. It had. If you if you if you set up properly, then it would just you know. It was just going. Well, it it was one where there was no there was almost no bad moves yeah every, every move you made typically felt great and then you had two possible finishers you had um the gnome who would boost oh, yeah. boost it was basically uh it was a six that boosted for another six points around plus yeah. all the harmony triggers or there was the treant that you yeah. load up a roll a row and you you yeah. put the great oak out there and and yeah. slam points man i yeah. missed that deck yeah. i'm those glad were, that harmony's were... back I'm also glad that it's back, but uh, I just hope that it's gonna be it's gonna be contained more or less. Like it's not gonna get into a place where old harmony. Like like I feel I totally agree with you. Like back in the day, if you set up the engines correctly, that deck was just you know playing itself to to some extent. If your opponent didn't know how to like uh, you know you know didn't have anything a response for you or removal that was targeting properly, then pff, I mean it was just it was just killing. It yeah. was destroying. And, and I remember when Harmony started kind of falling off because there were some nerfs to Waters of Broccolon and stuff like that. People were already building like hybrid versions of the deck, which was a little bit slower to go off. But yeah, also still, once it went off, it was like, see ya, mm -hmm. see ya. And the best yeah. feeling was with that list is like typically the way I would approach it was like, you don't want to go too ham in one round. So you play Waters of Broccolon and that, yeah. that should usually have been enough for a round and then another round is like you you open with mystic echo play waters and then play another unit to compound off of those so then it would be two engines of five and that and oftentimes that was hard for other players to to deal with 
Um, but if you got out of a round where you're going into round three, where you had Waters of Broccolon and your leader ability, it was like, this is an yeah. auto win. How do you deal with this? The only, <laughs> I think the only answer to that was that people started packing like Scorch. Um, yeah. Scorcher at the time, old school epidemic, which was mm -hmm. burned down all the lowest units. Um, that was uh, definitely an answer as well. So th like the meta evolved, people would put in these these cards to deal with it. But at the same time, you know, if you did not have an answer off the first the first push of those engines, if you didn't have like a full board clean, um, you were basically forget it because smart players would yeah. buff to keep one unit higher than the others. And, you know, the old school just, you know, how remember, like the old way to play Gwent was worrying about Igni. Like that was always in the back of your mind. Yes. Remember beta Gwent it was like. Uh, Igni. And you're like, oh, right. Igni, Igni. or Scorch. Everybody Ig was afraid of Scorch. I remember there were petitions in the beginning like to, to change Scorch because how can this card have this ability that it can just destroy the highest unit without anything? And I think that, you know, it kind of... Uh, now, the, the the way that it works, it's, it's it kind of changed a little bit. But still, like, um, I hope that Scorch comes back into being something that players will be, will be playing. And the same... The same thing goes for, um, you know, Igni being uh, prevalent more. I think the other version of Geralt resetting the row will also be, be, be seeing more play and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, this is, this, is, this is something that will for sure happen. Well, the people who are complaining about cards like Scorch or whatever are the players who don't play around cards like Scorch. Uh, this has always been fascinating to me to see is that, okay, like, do you, is it easier to completely change a card that you're having trouble with or is it easier for you to just change strategies or to play around cards it's easier for somebody to just not do anything and complain and wait for developers to fix it so the game is easier for them but at the same time you know like i mean scorch was scorch was always an issue and if scorch is an issue play a different deck or yep. buff something above everyone else and and go from there but um, that, that goes part of teching and, and being able to sort of, uh, prepare for stuff. So, uh, which is basically the, the, the main topic, I guess, that we're going to discuss in this episode, which is the art of sideboarding and sideboarding can mean, I mean, the, there's the, you know, standard definition of what sideboarding is, which is you have a pool of cards that are not in your deck that you're able to swap in and out, uh, from your main deck to, um, fit a scenario and, and, yeah. you know. And um, but in in games that don't have sideboards such as Gwent, it could you could also extend that to mean proper teching strategies. Uh, your sideboard would technically be like, you know, before you click the find a game or the or the play button to go seek out and find an opponent. If you're suspecting that a lot of, for instance, let's say Harmony, if you're suspecting that old school Harmony uh, was the the name of the game, your teching, your sideboarding, quote unquote, would be that Scorch, and it's necessary because yeah. those are cards sideboarding to me and i know i kind of mentioned this last week but i i kind of was thinking about it all week and i was like side your sideboard is like jazz it doesn't have to rhyme <laughs> but the person who puts it together it makes sense to them it has meaning to them but for somebody who just looks at a sideboard it's like it it, it doesn't rhyme the tempo's all screwy there's no coherence but in the grander scheme of things with the intention around it there's beauty in that and there's actual yeah. substance to it that's what sideboarding is. Yeah, sideboarding is pretty much. I I always see sideboarding as an art, um, especially an, an MTG 
of figuring out your meta that you have and bringing all the tech options that you need for that meta in order to, in the second game, to kind of bounce back and kind of, you know, mess up your opponent. And I feel like with all the stuff that uh, is kind of teching and also like bringing it back to Gwent, if it's the heat wave, if it's, if it's the squirrel, if it's Peller with the purifier or anything like that, these cards are tech options that target specific decks and either they will become super useful or they're just going to be bricks in your deck. So mm-hmm. that's why they are they have a place in the sideboard. And like we talked previously, once you have your main deck strategy and you know what your deck is doing and you have your win conditions and kind of your engines and your or your build up or whatever, sideboard are cards that you bring in in order to maybe slow yourself down, but you can with these cards you can just stop your opponent. You can you can if it's magic it's like graveyard hate, hexproof, anything like that that is just going to be or exiling specific things or just more removal or more counters or something that targets a specific color these are kind of the ones that you're going to be bringing in and and like i mentioned in gwen it's just going to be either graveyard hate or purifies removal so scorch anything that exiles whatever you can do to kind of you know mess up your opponent and you you see it like if you squirrel the proper card if you use Peller on a pro- on a on a on a specific card, if it's like a Siri that is staying with resilience, and you do it properly, you're just you know countering your opponent's game plan, and this throws off the the person that you're playing against. And I think that's also the psychological aspect of the whole thing. Sideboarding has a very, very, very intense intense uh, psychological influence on players sitting down at a table. It's more easier to see actually in person because um, in Magic, after you play the first game, you sideboard when you go into the second game and you see how many cards your opponent is bringing in or taking out by just them putting them face down and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, adding them to the deck, taking things out. And you're, and you're thinking in your head, okay, if he's playing this, he's most likely taking copies of this out, bringing this in because he or she knows that I have this lineup and you can kind of like, okay, let's swap my deck a little bit, change things a little bit. Maybe they won't expect this and this and that. And I will also bring in things which, you know, mess up that person's um, game plan. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a mind battle in between playing out the matches. I know that you, you mentioned to me in, in Flesh and Blood, it's different. When you see the hero that your opponent is playing, that is when you go into cyborg because it's a best of one instead of a best of three, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's where you have to make decisions, and that's where knowledge of the meta and what that deck is, is supposed to do is so important. Um, the best players in the world, the most successful players in the world, um, are are there because they know more than just their deck. They know what the opponent's deck is supposed to be, and they know what the meta is supposed to be. In Magic, um, it's important to understand what you're going to be facing so that you know the difference in magic and flesh and blood is that in magic you have to you have to have a hard 60 like this is the 60 that i have to bring for match number one flesh and blood doesn't have that uh but your hard 60 needs to have a game plan it usually the what i've learned from friends of mine who are good at magic uh is that you cannot you cannot be wishy-washy on your main 60 you have to have a game plan either you know you have to be true to the nature of the deck. It's like, I'm an aggro deck, so I'm, my main 60 is going to be geared towards aggro. And if my opponent no. is weak to it, perfect. If they're not, we'll do some changes. Um, then your sideboard is where you do all the pivoting. It's like, well, 
they have a lot of flying or they have a lot of uh, hexproof or whatever. So I need a board wipe in order to be able to kill some of the stuff that I can't target. Maybe I need some more exile. I need some more planeswalker hate, things like mm -hmm. that. That's where your your second game. But like you said, your opponent is making the exact same decisions. Yeah. So that's the fascinating part. Some of the most nasty decks that I've ever played against in Magic were some that started off as control. So I would board into a slower game and suddenly in game two now they're they're throwing one and two drops at you and you're like what the hell this completely yeah. is turned on its head and now i'm not prepared for this and those are great decks in flesh and blood it's a little bit different because you have to make that call before you go in but again understanding what the meta is and saying like okay this is an oldham the oldham's gonna try to fatigue me so i'm gonna actually play 70 cards instead of 60 to give me a little bit more runway, I'm going to play a little bit more greedy because I'm going to need greed in order to beat this 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 hero um, against more aggressive lists. Like, all right, I got to put in some more defense reactions. I got to make sure that my I have an equipment set that actually blocks. It's not utility equipment. It's more defensive equipment. Um, things of that nature. And being able to build that sideboard, the number one thing that people need to do is get off of the fact that sideboards are useless and i think a lot of players for some decks sideboards were useless like briar when briar was printed and briar first hit the the table there were the u the the uk national champion um told me when i was when we were practicing he's like i was like okay how about sideboard he's like screw sideboard this deck is just <laughs> this deck is so good that it doesn't matter what your sideboard is and if somebody is stupid enough to tell you that they're going to fatigue you then you just add all your cards in from the sideboard into your deck because yeah. they're all much better than what they're playing. And that's that was yeah. the truth because it's like, okay, I don't care what you're playing because my deck is just inherently better than yours. But um, for most of the decks, for 95% of the decks, those five cards that slot in and the five cards that slot out are so crucial because they're typically high risk, high reward. They're either bricks or their Molotov cocktails being thrown through their window. Like, they're, they're, they either ruin your day, or they are absolute game-changing uh, cards. Yeah, I, I... To be honest, what I think separates the good players from the great players is actually the fact that you know how to sideboard, or you know how to tech. And I feel like... It is such an like it's something that I did not understand for a very long time when I was learning the ropes in Magic, when I was learning uh, the ropes in Gwent, and when I was when I'm even learning the ropes now in, in Flesh and Blood, or any other game that I played, is actually knowing the game so well that you know with which things to bring in what amount of copies in order to like to carry out a win. And it's very, very difficult. Like I think with um, with Magic, I'm still learning it um, because the meta is is ever shifting. And I also feel like when you're playing in person, people are bringing decks which you do not expect. But after game one, you're more or less able to anticipate like what you should be shipping in and taking out based off of that one game. But like I said, you don't know what your opponent is going to be bringing in and taking out. So you need to kind of anticipate what are the possibilities based on the colors. And I was also thinking about it, like I play two decks which are totally different in modern. One is Azorius Control, which I think is a you know, control heavy deck, which has a lot of removal. And I feel like looking at the sideboard that I normally have there, it's more 
you know, shifting the removal into removal that can be targeting specific things. So there's like enchantments uh, that target, um, you know, graveyards. So graveyard hate. There is more things uh, with Flash for like dressing down units and taking away their um, abilities and stuff like that. There's like fra fracturing gusts, which just destroys all artifacts and enchantments for decks that are playing that. You know, there's there's more counter magic, but there's also things like uh, you might drop in an Emrakul because you need another win condition because you can be only winning with all of your uh, planeswalkers. And then on the other spectrum of it, I have things like um, mono, like it's not mono red, it's Boros Burn, uh, which is pretty much what you're bringing in is like things that exile creatures that you totally want to get rid of the board. Mm -hmm. There's deflecting palms, which uh, you know l pretty much work in a way um that you know you your damage actually goes through and cannot be blocked in any way anything that any anything that also has protection from black and red like sanctifier and vec which is there to pretty much be exiling stuff from from your opponent's graveyard and if another red or black card is supposed to get into from the battlefield to the graveyard it gets exiled instantly so you're 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 stopping all those decks and then it's once again artifact hate and like stuff with like smash the smithereens which is dealing three damage and destroying an artifact which is super good so you're targeting stuff which is super artifact heavy and i feel like artifact and enchantments are things that you always will be uh, keeping like in the back of your hand and also uh same goes for anything which is creature heavy like you want to be not only destroying but exiling those things out of the game so they cannot come back in any way well and yeah I was I was gonna say like you're you're naming all these amazing cards and like sideboard cards. One of the like in, in my tenure in playing standard um, Magic around like the I got in at Dominaria at the time it went all the way back to Kaladesh Aether Revolt and I played onward to about Akoria um, that and then I I, I stopped playing um, standard. But to me, cards like Unmoored Ego, um, Lost Legacy. These are cards that I absolutely yep. adored playing because playing in the Dominaria meta with Teferi, um, Hero of Dominaria, that was a nasty one. And I know you love that card because you're in Azorius Control. Played. Yeah, absolutely. Still, Still great. But there was always, it was basically a situation where I would run, I think, three unmoored egos in my sideboard because once Teferi came out, it was really difficult to actually win or play the game or play the, yeah, exactly, play the game at all. Yeah. But playing Unmoored Ego um, in a scenario where I was able to play it and hopefully they weren't able to counterspell it because that's obviously part of it. But Unmoored Ego was a card. It's like an ultimate sideboard card where if there's one card that your opponent is basically their whole bread and butter is centered around all their eggs and are in that basket, like, you know, a Teferi uh, Azorius style control. Unmoored Ego is a card that basically says search their hand, deck, and graveyard for a, one particular card and exile all copies of it. So if your whole shtick is to play Teferi or Nexus of Fate yeah. or whatever, if I Unmoored oh, Ego Nexus you fate. <laughs> and get rid of all four of those cards in one swoop, usually that was good enough for a concede off of your opponent. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. High risk, high reward is where sideboards kind of come in. And there are smaller tech, like for instance, the Kotli Hunter or Takotli Warrior, the, the, the Ixalan, uh, no. two drop that stops on um, stops um, entering the battlefield effects. Uh, I thought no. that that was 
those are, are, are fantastic, fantastic sideboard cards. Because in reality, nobody wants to play a 1-4, 2 drop that does nothing. But a 1-4, mm -hmm. 2 drop that stops all of your enter the battlefield effects. Oh my god, massive. Huge. So good. So that's that's just kind of the beauty of it. That, that card left a mark on you. <laughs> it, it did, because at the time I was playing... Um, Oh man, I, I forgot it again. Uh, not Golgari. Golgari plus blue. I don't know. Uh, I, I always mix up those. I always uh, messed it up, and I, I knew. Anyways, either way, I would play that, and uh, it was bl uh, blue, black, and uh, green was when uh, one of my best, best decks. Like when I was really, really firing off and enjoying standard and winning games in standard a lot, it was because I was playing. Um, that color scheme, and yeah, that Takotli bastard. I'm telling you, I, I. That's where beautiful parts of that, like, or those cards, like uh, that banish all graveyards or whatever. You're like, damn man, like Sorcerer's Spyglass. Like these are really, really, really good cards, man. And then that's the beauty of, of sideboarding. Like, do you have yeah. a do you have a sideboard story where you're like, you it it just maybe not. You already knew the importance of sideboards, but was there ever a game where somebody sideboarded in a card that absolutely made you rethink your whole existence? Yeah, I mean, I used to play a lot of burn, so it was very easy to to counter that deck. So if someone if someone brought anything that would give them hexproof, like oh, ley lines, lines, I was I was just I was just you know, wow, there goes my game plan. Although there were games, uh, to be honest, that um you could kind of maybe go around the ley lines if possible but it was very hard i mean if you bring anything enchantment related like any hate then you're able to go through it but i mean it's it's difficult because you need to draw into that card so so i mean those were those were the ones is shatter the card that kills enchantments or is that the one that kills artifacts um Shatter, like there is one, but there is one that ca like um, smash the smithereens is uh, artifact, and that I f feel like there there hasn't been one that I've used like very recently for for that itself. But it's because I mean you can still try to get your damage through with uh, goblin guides and swift spears and maybe Adalon if possible. But I mean, you're pretty much you're pretty much stuck there. Yeah, you're you're kind of screwed. Even like you could play something like Gutter Snipe, which every time you play a spell, it'll deal damage to the opponent. I remember playing a fun Gutter Snipe deck just for fun. Uh, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a really cool card. I thought Gutter Snipe. I'm like, it just sits on the board, and every time I I jam a spell, so you just like put four shocks, all these like one cost yeah. spells. Uh, I again, I I adore magic in the sense that there's so much space to build um to build around i just it's standard it always just feels like a slog and i i just hate the the economy of mtg in yeah. general but i mean standard is too slow the damage is also too slow but if you play modern everything is like turn three kills are very easy to to execute if if, if you get like you know like the best hand you can imagine but um i feel like also with with standard i think it's changing a little bit more it's more evolving, um, so players who like a lot of things going on, they would probably go for that. Although I'm still playing standard when I look at the decks that I play, like mono white aggro is still pretty good in that meta. Mm -hmm. So that's the one I'm kind of uh, going towards. 
Uh, but with the new sets, there's like new stuff like enchantment heavy decks like Naya. Um, uh, I also like control, but Dimir control feels like it just kind of fell off, fell off the map a little bit in the in the in the recent one after New Capena. So I'm kind of more always going back to the, the good old modern stuff, which I feel like Burn is a great example. It's one of those decks that hardly ever changes, but it still performs super well. And it's a lot of players bring it because it's just it's just very good. And with control, I feel like Azorius is maybe not the strongest one right now, but still is is one that that I enjoy based off of like that I used to always be drawn towards like blue and white because I like the I like counter spells on one hand. On the other hand, I like things like uh, prismatic endings, other march of otherworldly light, and solitude, which are just anything that exiles uh, stuff that your opponent tries to stick to the board. And of course, my favorite card of all time, which is Supreme Verdict. And uh, it kind of goes back to like this, this standard meta back in the day where it was really control versus aggro. I think it was in 2008 or seven. Ivan Floch uh, was playing this uh, standard deck, which had Supreme Verdicts and uh, Sphinx's Revelation, which Sphinx's Revelation was a card if you played uh, a, a specific amount of mana, so X and blue and white you were able to draw that many cards and get that much life. So you were pretty much drawing cards, gaining life, and you were trying to keep yourself alive in that sense. And then you have one copy of Elixir of Immortality, which you would draw into, and that shuffled your graveyard back into your deck. So you were, you were resetting your deck, and you were bringing back all the Supreme Verdicts and all the removals and all the counter spells. You bastard. And you were just... You were just you know, waiting for your opponent to say, oh, I, I had enough of this. And um, I think in the finals, he played against um, an aggro deck, uh, which was like uh, white and green, and just pretty much destroyed it. And it was so good to watch that deck pretty much come back to life and be reused again. And it's, you know, it's rinse and repeat pretty much. It's just so good. And I love when decks go into this mode where they feel like you're looping. You're looping, maybe it's not infinite, but still you're you're looping in a sense that you know once you get this elixir back it's it's fine but if someone gets rid of that well then you need to be closing out the game as soon as possible um which you kind of could with jace at the time architect of architect of thought so um it was such a good deck and i feel like blue and white still kind of focus on having very good planeswalkers which is like teferi time raveler uh, which oh, was added later, and War of the it. Spark, which is very hated by by the yep. modern community, and then Hero of Demonaria. Now we have Wandering Emperor, which is also used uh, for control aspects, and then Jace the Mind Sculpture, which I which I think is the OG. It's it's one yeah. of the more expensive cards that I have, um, and I love that card to death, and it's it's really good. <laughs> so Supreme Verdict, first of all, the artwork on it, I'm looking at it right now, uh, is amazing. I think it's a great great art. Um, yeah. The uh, Flesh and Blood, actually, their new set, Uprising, actually released a card which everybody is calling Teferi because it um, it, it has a Teferi-like Time Raveler effect where mm -hmm. when it's on the board, your opponent cannot play or activate abilities on their opponent's turn. So No instant shenanigans. None of that stuff. <laughs> and and um, all weekend long, I was drafting Icelander. So she basically, Icelander wants to do most of the heavy lifting on the opponent's turn. Um, mm -hmm. and every time, every freaking time I would have this wicked ass deck. And then this is, I was in, um, uh, I finished top four 
in one of the pre-release events playing playing Icelander and I had like I I was in a draft pod with eight people obviously and I was up against two other Icelanders drafting with me. Yeah. And I was like once I figured out once they like I'm like I just looked around and somebody's like how many Icelanders and we all three of us raised our hand and I was like oh no I thought I because I, I thought I, I was like I thought I was doing okay and but in my head I was looking at my, my deck I'm like how is my deck this good on Icelander when I was drafting against two others this yeah. turns out that they were drafting poorly like they were drafting <laughs> the wrong the wrong style of cards so I got I, I beat my I beat the other Icelander um and if there's one thing about Icelander in me in an Icelander mirror, the player who goes first has an enormous advantage because they're able to arsenal their card first and they're able to do all kinds of shenanigans first. Um, mm-hmm. So I beat the I I was went second, and the dude I played against, a little cocky, he's like, well, this is he's like, oh, I'm going first because in top eight, whoever's the higher seed gets to decide so he was the higher seed and he's like okay i'm going first he's like this is probably going to be over he's like i have advantage i'm like yeah i ended up dumpstering the guy um <laughs> absolutely posterizing him because he built the deck incorrectly and yeah. uh, and that's just the way again this also factors in it but happens so often though well listen deck this is another thing like we talked about this last week the importance of deck building I understood what Icelander needed. Icelander needed blue cards. So I prioritized blue cards over like these huge, like attractive cards that deal a F load of damage, but you can't play them on your opponent's turn because you can only play blue cards on your opponent's turn. So I was like, I'm prioritizing blues. So any blue that comes my way, if it's an ice blue, I'm insta snapping it. I don't care what majestics are in this pack. I don't care whatever else is in this pack. That is what I'm getting. I'm getting blue cards. And they were like, oh, we can get around with like just 10. I was like, it's 15 minimum. Like, that's the way. And I just <laughs> posterized this kid. But then I face off against Dromai, and I am walloping Dromai until they find <laughs> this the dragon called Themai. And they mm-hmm. played Themai, and Themai is basically your opponent can no longer play cards on, their, on, on your turn. So I was like, well, there goes Icelander's thing. And... Yeah. I had n- I had basically blew my load on the previous three turns doing damage to him, and I'm like, all my major burn spells were gone, so I couldn't even target the dragon with enough damage to kill it. So it just felt bad, and I ended up losing that game. But deck building, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, just to say, there's a Teferi dragon that's out there. Like, so for those who love nice. Teferi, there is a Teferi dragon, and I hate it so freaking much because it is basically gate kept me from winning events. Because every time I think I have the most busted ass pool, I just get yep. put up against a Dromai that plays Themai, and I'm like, "Mother of God, it just hurts <laughs> every time, every time." Nice, sounds good. I like, I like, uh, I like stuff that blocks people like out. I've also been always drawn, but I never played like in, in, in Magic. You have like Lantern decks and Prison decks, mm-hmm. like uh, with stuff like Ensnaring Bridge, which works in a way that excellent binding. Out. Yeah, creatures with power greater than the number of cards in your hand can attack, for example. So you're like locking out your opponent. And there's like lantern decks, which let you like look at the top card of your opponent's deck. And if you don't like that card, you're able to discard it. So you're like playing around with their decks and like doing shenanigans. I like kind of those, but uh, the deck that I've always played and I love playing the most is just a typical 
discard deck, which is just uh, Inquisitions, Thought Seizes, Smallpoxes, Wrench Mites, so anything that lets me look into my opponent's hand. Discard chosen cards to mess up their game plan. Try to get them to zero cards in hand and then play Iraq or Ensnaring Bridge, which will be just pinging them at the beginning of their turn by three damage all the time until they, 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 they die a slow and uh, painful yeah, death. For people who, <laughs> who only know Gwent, uh, it's the equivalent of playing no unit traps, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just like, all right, your turn. Do what you got to do. Uh, it's dead. It's dead. Uh, it's dead. Yeah. It's dead. Dude, I hate the feeling in Gwent when you don't have like when you don't have units and you have cards in your hand that interact with units, and that's that's kind of where you get locked out. I hate getting locked out in Gwent, but I don't. I feel like when I'm still playing MTG, I'm still able. Even if, even if I feel that I'm locked out, I'm still able to play something and do something. But I also loved like the the feeling of locking my opponent out and kind of getting things out of out of their their hand and kind of them just sitting there like mm -hmm. oh i play a land and i pass the turn and i'm like okay so i let me look at your hand yeah. uh, how many cards do you have in hand okay you have two so i discard this you get pinged by three and then he's like oh uh, i draw into this and i play a land <laughs> it's just like there's no better fun. feeling sometimes when it was just like if you're playing like Demir or something, it's like, all right, uh, I'm gonna thought erase you, uh, and yeah. then I'm gonna and then I'm gonna thought erase you again, and I'm gonna keep thought erasing you, and then I'm gonna board wipe you, and then I'm gonna yeah. thought erase you, and then I'm gonna unmoored ego you, and then once I figure out what your strategy is, you're basically done. Um, but sideboarding in general, and like if we're talking about deck, you know, the important part about sideboarding is that your main deck needs to be your strategy. You need to basically yeah. have a core. In Magic, it's 60. In Flesh and Blood, it's whatever you want to be your core because you can sideboard in and out prior to your first game. Um, the sideboard needs to be... Those are your meta calls. Those are your... That's where you plug weaknesses. It's sort of... It's kind of like... Imagine you're going on a journey to slay a dragon. And it's like, all right, well, I've got my armor. I've got my horse and whatever. But I don't know what kind of dragon it is it is until I get there. So I should probably bring something that can, you know, uh, deal yep. with fire damage. But maybe it's an ice dragon. So I should probably bring something that's an ice protection. Plus, I don't know how long it's going to go. So maybe I should bring some extra food. You know, it's kind of like you're packing for all scenarios. And you don't yeah. know what the scenario is going to be until you get there. You know, much in the same situation of like when you go to travel somewhere. Like when I go to Warsaw... I bring my, I bring, you know, the stuff that I know I'm obviously going to need. But at the same time, I bring things that I'm like, I don't know if Pavel is going to want to play some cards or magic. So maybe I'll bring a magic deck. Maybe, you know, I don't know if Vlad's going to want to play magic with us. I'll bring, you know, I'll bring something for that. Like, I don't know if we're going to go out like to a nice place. So maybe I should bring like a nice shirt or some nice pants or something like that. You got to prepare for these things. And that's kind of what signboarding is. It's, it's giving yourself the best opportunity to capitalize on uh, a an opponent's weakness, but you don't know what your opponent is. That's what it is. It's it's sort of packing a cheat sheet to the test, yeah. With before knowing what the questions are, like they do this all the time in you know in universities or whatever. A lot of the times they're like, you're allowed to bring one. I mean, I'm I don't want I'm not necessarily exaggerating, but you're they, some of them were like, you're allowed to bring one like five by three inch or five by four inch cue card with whatever the hell you want on it. You can write. Uh, you know, song lyrics on there, or you can write actual notes, but you're allowed yeah. to bring one thing. 
So you have to prepare. What are you weak at? What what do you need help with? And then you go with that. And sideboarding is, in my estimation, a skill that for players who are feel like they're good, this is how you get over the hump. And yeah. if we're going to sort of translate this to, let's say, Gwent, which doesn't operate with a sideboard, same thing with Hearthstone. Hearthstone doesn't operate with a sideboard. Those kinds of games that don't operate with a sideboard, these are the calls that you have to make prior to actually jumping into a game and they're very difficult to make because you don't have an opportunity to pull those cards out and for instance you know like if you were to if if you were to name some cards in Gwent as being quote unquote sideboard cards what would you what what are like five sideboard cards in your estimation or three sideboard cards in your estimation heatwave for sure um, I wouldn't you know what I I don't even think I don't mean to cut you off but I think heatwave is good enough all the way around that That's why I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Um. Hmm. <laughs> it depends really on the deck and on the meta. I sometimes feel like things like choosing between Royal Decree or or Neuromancy in terms of like the card that you need for pulling stuff. Uh, which one to go with? But I think it's more of like a provision question. Exactly. But for sure, stuff like uh, Mardrum, things like yeah. Heller, things yeah. like Swirl. Yes. Um. These these for me are like number ones when thinking about like sideboard cards that i might need but if they they a lot of times also feel like they're kind of brick houses right that mm -hmm. you don't might need but if skellige is being played a lot then that squirrel can change a lot absolutely but a card like for instance um like irden irden against skellige yeah. is bad <laughs> irden against skellige yeah. is, is terrible um he's those... a good sideboard no, exactly. They're cards that are never your first choices, but sometimes when you're 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 at that part where you're like, okay, I have 22 cards in this deck, and I have 25 provisions left. How am I going to build it? That's where you're like, no. okay, what's the, what's the meta? Oh well, it's it's a harmony meta. Irden is absolutely going to be an important piece, or it's a Gotal meta. Maybe Scorch is the right answer because there's going to no. be a lot of equal things, you know. So this is where Agony. this. Igni I is mean, Shiro can be an option. For Shiro, some. yep. Yeah. No, no, I think you're right. These are all any card that goes into your deck. The if the decision is influenced by what you're playing against, it's a tech card slash sideboard yeah. card. That's the that's the sheer amount of it because nobody is building around Irden. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's saying I'm going to make a deck and it's going to start with Irden. Well, why? Why is it starting with Irden? That doesn't make sense. Same thing with Squirrel or Pella or stuff like that. These are all tech choices and um i think that some of the best tech choices are those high risk high reward like irden because irden against deck a might win you the game irden against deck b might be a three-point card that bricks and does nothing for you yeah exactly it might actually well be a negative points like in yeah <laughs> it, it's happened where it's either my opponent has a lot of units that are damaged and on my side, they're all boosted. So if I play Irden, I'm legit playing it for negative points. Like it's, I've been in a scenario like that, and it has never felt good. So those are the high risk, high reward yeah. pieces of sideboarding, and it's to me only it's, good option is when your when your whole row is like damaged, and you just bring them back to life and get a little bit more points. But I feel like that, the, like it's 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 a card that is only used to just get rid of you know boosted stuff here on opponent's side, and that's its primary use. And then apart from that. Secondary uses, if you have a lot of stuff that is damaged, that you bring them, you know, up, up to a little bit more life. But I feel like the amount of points lost and gained here is just, you know, it's totally different. 
I different agree. side of the spectrum. I agree. Um, so we're going to move to the mailbag shortly, but I want to take this opportunity to show these off as much as possible because I'm so happy with these. I'm actually, I'm going to be showing these off also on um, Instant Speed Podcast as well, but I want as many people in the world to see these. I got these in before, so I was in Ohio this weekend, so I didn't really get a chance to show these off. I, for the first time in my entire life, got cards commissioned, like artwork. Uh, I am the altar art, yeah. altars. I am over Ooh. the effing moon in terms of uh, the investment I made. Like again, I'm in a position where it's not always easy for me to freely spend money. However, I had some money to spend, some fun, and I was like, let's support the community. Let's support somebody who's awesome. I am so over the moon. Check these out. So. The hero, this is from Flesh and Blood, the hero is Katsu, which is one of my favorite heroes, and they are a ninja, uh, mm -hmm. like a samurai, and I got this commissioned, I don't know if you could see it, Oh, that is, there's some glare there, uh, let me see if I can't nice. fix the glare real quick, uh, let's get to like a dark screen, but um, this is, uh, it's hard to see, you can see yourself, but this I is um, Luke Skywalker from... Yep. Yeah, Luke Skywalker from The Mandalorian. And the two weapons that he uses are, they're called Kodachis. They're like swords. I got them so commissioned lightsabers. to yeah. be, there's Luke's lightsaber and Anakin's lightsaber. The two lightsabers that Luke Skywalker okay. uses in his, in his lifetime. So are you actually going to play those or are, you, are they just going to be? They're, no, well, they're slabbed, right? They're slabbed in yeah. here because I'm so over the moon protective of these cards. But so good. these are going to be um, uh, like Katsu is right now in a position where it's not a strong hero, but it's still mm -hmm. my favorite. But when I'm playing for fun, I am absolutely busting these out. And I don't care if I win or lose because nice. I'm already winning because of these. So you got to so support the altar art community. These are artists that take an existing art and do some crazy stuff out of it. And I've also seen this in magic, like people who do altars, I just, I just follow them just to see the work that they're doing because it's freaking amazing. And sometimes like, because in magic, there's a lot of cards that you, if you know the ability of the card, if it's like a lightning bolt or something, wizards themselves, they do like multiple versions where there's no text on it and it's like a full art. But there's also versions where people take the existing art and they extend it throughout the whole card, make it into a whole thing. It's just so amazing what they do. And yeah, shout out to everybody who's doing yeah. uh, altars because you're freaking amazing artists. So and this is all done by hand, so it's super unique. This, uh, this artist is uh, it's from Blackwing Studios. So if you go look up Blackwing Studios, the artist's name is Mara, Mara Ferris. Uh, she is amazing. I've met her in person multiple times, and and that's what basically was like. You yeah. know what? I'm like, I met this person, good person. I saw their work. I was like, I have an idea. Can you, can you make this a, a thing? And they're like, What are you looking at? So I sent them like still images from the Mandalorian. I sent them all these like graphics of what the lightsabers look like, and I'm like, I, I'm like, only if you can make these accurate, because I don't want. Yeah. An interpretation i want of course not and i was star wars lore master needs to have things that is lore accurate to the point where i was like his hand better be in a glove i swear to god and it was so i was like sweet has to be yeah <laughs> so over the moon so cheers to uh mara at blackwing studios for absolutely blowing me away with yeah. uh, this work but uh 
And if you don't know anything about altars, like try to like see their like communities, like Facebook groups, there's Reddits, there's stuff like that. And once you see kind of the best altar artists, like follow them on Instagram and see their work. Like it's just, it's amazing. Like altars need to be seen in order for people to understand kind of how incredible they are. So shall we move to the mailbag, my friend? Of course. Let's do it. All right. Welcome back to the mailbag where we answer your questions coming through Reddit today, mainly. And the first one is from Kupor. Hello, Kupor. Nice to see you. What do you think about Hearthstone copying Gwent mechanics now? Okay, so I got things to say about this. Um, I have always been under the impression that many Gwent people who play Gwent are a lot of them likely have not had a lot of experience with other card games and that there's nothing wrong with that you enjoy what you enjoy and like you don't all not everyone needs to have a a laundry list of experience with other card games to enjoy something that's not that's not the thing what made me absolutely chuckle was when i read this and i'm like and i saw a completely separate thread that cooper put out there and i was like is this has to be a joke right because conspiracy theory like first of all uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, Kupor, uh, but uh, you know, how do I feel about Gwent copying Hearthstone with Shield? Because Divine Shield was a Hearthstone thing uh, before anything else. Uh, so maybe Gwent copied Hearthstone with Shield. How about Defender? There's something called Taunt. Taunt's a thing. Uh, how about Scenarios? Because I'm pretty sure Quests from Hearthstone came out first. And those are pretty much similar similar cards. You have to complete two different chapters to get rewards. Um, so... Card games, copy card games. Card, like, how many different names are there for lifesteal? Or yeah. there's lifesteal. There's life gain. Life gain, <laughs> life link. The, the fact of the matter is that card games are always borrowing ideas from other card games. Defender is just taunt. It's just, yeah. that's the way it is. Which is, I think in uh, the Elder Scrolls legend is called guard or something like yeah. that. It's the same effect. Um, in Mythgard, it was called, uh, I, shoot, I forgot what it was called, but it had a similar effect. No, in Mythgard, it had, there was a, um, there was a, a term called, I think it was like lurker, which was like the inverse of taunt. So it was like, if something had lurker and it was adjacent to another unit, you could not attack the lurker until you killed the adjacent unit. So it was like the inverse of what taunt was, um, overrun, overwhelm, trample, all different, all different yeah names for the same thing first strike quick strike um you know so hearthstone doesn't come from nowhere please yeah hearthstone isn't copying gwent which is makes me absolutely you think blizzard gives two f's about gwent no offense to gwent but you think that the hearthstone gives two hearthstone is is like on this cloud that is about thirty thousand feet above this above the highest peak and doesn't give two Fs about anything except cosmic radiation. Like, that's the only thing on their radar. That's not to say that Gwent isn't awesome, but Hearthstone isn't copying Gwent. Are you out of your mind? (laughs) Why? Because they use the same term? Like, let's be real. Shield, divine shield. Let's, let's, Let's first resolve that borrowing and stealing, if you want to talk about copying or whatever. Let's resolve that one before we go on to this one. So. Yeah, I mean, 
please like keep an open mind. There's nothing um, in card games which has been reinvented. And like there are, of course, instances where um, new things are being created and brought in, but it's very, very rarely that something from you know is being designed from out of the blue and someone is marking it as like, yes, we're the first ones to do it. And I, there's no copyright on on stuff. Of course, the mechanics are named differently, but there will be stuff coming from different card games into other card games. Like a lot of people could say that the majority of card games that are out on the market right now, they have been all copying magic because magic is, was one of the first ones, but it's not that way. Like it doesn't have, it's 100% copyright on anything. And no, none of these abilities and mechanics cannot be copied by anyone else because that would be, that would just, you know, that would be impossible. Plus there's so many like, board game style card games which have abilities that you don't mind even know about because you never played them but there there's also like people designing those and creating stuff for them which later goes into the bigger names uh, of the card games that are maybe well known and you know it's not you know it's you can't say that one is copying another because like well, all these things have been already there and someone else copied it from someone else right like how do you reconcile Veil and hexproof. Why or or immunity and hexproof? Like why did Gwent copy magic when it comes to this yeah. effect? Why? I don't know. You guys are. Terrible. I feel. I feel like even if you look at the people who design cards in our team and other teams are people who come from different card game background, and they will either be trying to introduce something totally new which hasn't been used yet like ever but the majority of them will be basing off their design and their ideas of the things that they already have done or played or seen so it's not that it's all these things are kind of you know they go out of your head and you forget about it and you're like oh we're going to create something from scratch and reinvent the wheel pretty much which is very hard to do in card games because i feel like a lot of things have already been done they have been set mm -hmm. they have been agreed on and i mean there's there's things that make card games very distinctive from one another. Like you can see a lot of card games which are copying what Hearthstone kind of introduced, or there's a lot of card games that are trying to copy Magic and what they did. And then once in a while you get card card games which are very unique and they bring something different. They have a different gameplay style. They don't have the land aspect or the mana aspect, mana crystals or whatever, and they just do something totally different. I think Gwent is a great example that we always kind of go like go back to like a game that plays very very differently best of 3 based off of the resources that you have in your hand same goes for flesh and blood like having this and the and the armor and stuff like that like this is this is for me like playing it and getting to learn the game right now it's the game the the, the play style of it's very unique like pitching cards in order for you to um uh play other cards it just makes so much sense and kind of using these resources and it's such a cool thing. And there's also like deck builder games, uh, which are more board game style, where you're just drawing something one per turn and you're trying to create something out of this. And it, I mean, it's there's there's so many things to kind of unpack here, but I feel like in the end, I think all card games are kind of catering to the card game player because if you're playing something and you know the mechanic from somewhere else, you're kind of like, oh, I remember this. This is just this in the other game right so it's more familiar but it's also something that get, gets you into the new game for example that you're learning much easier so the the entry point is just you know you're like oh i i recognize this i know how to play this right 
out of curiosity, what what are they claiming Hearthstone copied? It's like a keyword or something. Um, there was an idea that the, our new infused uh, keyword is is a direct copy. Uh, so when like, when did when did Hearthstone release infuse? I have no idea. Because, I don't. I don't because know because infuse isn't even out yet. So are they suggesting that there are spies? There's like Blizzard spies amidst the developer team. You guys need to figure it out. I think Jean is uh, is Jean or Malegion like a Blizzard agent? Is that what's going on? Yeah, one because of them for sure. What are they copying? Like this is what I'm trying to figure out. Like Infuse isn't even printed yet. It got announced like a couple days ago. So if you're suspecting that Hearthstone is also doing it, it's probably because they also announced it recently. Yeah. So the timelines don't even match up unless there is a mole within CDPR that is working for Blizzard. So, um, yeah, uh, I I get it. It's a wide world of cards out there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's not just Gwent. Gwent isn't the alpha dog that everybody is trying to catch up to. Gwent is its own thing. Gwent doesn't care about, you know, what, what Hearthstone's doing. And I can guarantee you that Hearthstone doesn't give two S's about what Gwent's doing. That is yeah. probably true. Um, what I wish Hearthstone would copy from Gwent is their economy, because holy Moses. Um, <laughs> Hearthstone's economy is like... Oh, I, I, the analogy I wanted to use is so inappropriate that I'm not even going to say it, but it's terrible. Um, all right. Uh, next question. Phantom Mag at negative six karma. That's, how, that's the ones Which we is, want, this baby. Is, this is what we love. Heck yes. Every time I see those, uh, those negative karmas, I was like, this is where the good stuff is. It's either absolutely stupid. Uh, typically, or it's it's somebody asking for premium tokens. For 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 the record, all those out there who have begun to, on our behalf, respond to these questions and say, "Do you not get it? They don't answer questions about balance or tokens or whatever. Like, stop wasting their time." Thank you, thank you for making it so that I don't have to say June first. That's all I have to say. So thank you so much. <laughs> June first, yeah. perfect. So Phantom Mag asks if you can be another person for one day uh anyone actor celebrity even jesus <laughs> if, i will say no. this if i'm gonna be jesus for a day I, earlier life not end of it not the last like just say it whom would i no. choose and why this is a good question i like this question who would you be i would be uh an elite cyclist if i had to choose i would either go matthew vanderpool or filippo ghana filippo ghana is a time trialist so a guy that goes very fast and uh, uh matthew vanderpool is more of a universal sprinter slash long day kind of uh but he also rides mountain bikes and cyclocross and stuff like that so it'd be nice to see how much different it would be to ride a bike as an elite compared to me being as an amateur cyclist so it'd be nice to to have that comparison and uh, ideally when the Tour de France is around, it would be nice to be in his body and able to like go through like a hellish stage in the mountains or something like that or or on a time trial just to see if I can push like 1200 watts, uh, you know, on the crank with my with my legs. That would be that would be incredible to be like the, to have the mindset and the mind state and be in a different body. That would be that would be crazy. That could be That's our mine. That could be our cop duo name. Like if we ever had a, a buddy cop movie, we could be Crank and Watts. <laughs> Perfect. Are you Crank? Uh, you got to be Crank, right? Or am I Crank? Yeah. I don't know. One of us is Crank. Both, and one of, both us is... of them are cool. I mean, I yeah. Know. It's like Crank and Watts on the yeah. case. And then we, we, need a, we need an awesome like muscle car. No, no, too. no. If you're a cyclist, no? we have to have. We just cycle. We, no, you cycle. I'm in the sidecar. <laughs> no. Nah. 
<laughs> and you're just cycling there with so your. So now it's a parody. Yeah, you're cranking. I'm Watts, and it's just like, and we show up, and I've got like the goggles on and stuff like that. But you're in full. You have like your cycling uniform yeah. is like it's it's the it's the standard like cycling uniform, but the design makes it look like you're wearing uh uh like formal like a suit and tie. But I'm actually <laughs> in the suit and tie, and I show up, and I'm like Perfect. working the goggles and stuff like that. Cranking Watts on the case. Cranking Watts, exactly. All right. If anyone out there wants to make our day, if you guys can Photoshop us as Cranking Watts, that would be good. Like on a movie poster, an eight, like a ten out of ten. Yeah, like a a eighties action movie style poster. That would be good. We um, need the pubs on this. He's awesome. <laughs> who who do I want to be? I was at like the easy answer to me is someone like Elon Han Musk. Solo. Well, yeah, but Hans, like I'm guessing that well. Yeah, I kind of want to freaking be Han Solo. That would be so good. Or Peter Parker. Those are great. But like, if we're oh, talking about non nonfiction, like that's a good one. Like, let's be real. It, but fic like fictional characters is kind of too easy. Um, I like the easy answer for me was like Elon Musk because you have money and power and you can do whatever the hell you want. Plus, I just want to see where the bodies are buried, kind of thing. But I was actually <laughs> thinking I would want to be, um. Just for if I were, if it was just one day, I would want to be a really popular. Like, I, I want to be like Justin Timberlake at like performing at Madison Square Garden or something like that. Ooh. Like, you know, I want to be energy there. Damn, that's it. I want to be Justin Timberlake, like doing a concert at Madison Square Garden. Like, I have all his talents, I have all that stuff, you know. So, I want to be on the stage in front of you know, 30,000 people going crazy. I want to be singing songs. I want to be performing. And it, like that 24 hour period for me is like starts at noon on that day and runs till noon the next day. And after the That's concert, you go out in New York, you have a good time. You're treated like a God. Everybody's amazing. And I would do, you know, you do a whole bunch of that. All the things that like when I see concerts, I'm like, I would love to, you know, you know, you toss your drumstick out into the into the crowd. You give out your guitar pick. You take off your shirt. You throw like I would be the most like, you know, fan friendly kind of dude signing. I would sign autographs for like eight hours. Everything. Yeah. yeah, that's the kind of that's that's who I would that what I would pick because I was also thinking that's like amazing. being a pro golfer, but a pro golfer needs like four days to win a tournament. Can't do that. So yeah, no, I like these. All right, there's your answer. Next one. A controversial name. Very controversial. <laughs> um, are there any plans to rework how weather currently works in the game? No. <laughs> yeah. So there's a long-winded... Yeah, I, I read the long-winded like, sort of add-on to this, and basically what it said was that the, the weather is kind of not necessarily like boring, but it's like it's sort of you drop it. There's nothing really your opponent... like When you drop it on an opponent, all they can do is really avoid it. Um, and then... This is the reason why I put this in here, Pavel, is because they suggest bringing it back to beta status, which was when you drop weather on a row, every unit on that row becomes one, one strength. Like it's just, it's not feasible. It's and a reason why we changed that, right? It's OP beyond OP, which turns like Gwent used to be the game of last say. Who had last say no. typically wins eighty percent of the games. Um, and that's where the Dagon leader ability was so popular because either as Dagon, if you had last say, you either ice ice their biggest row to remove all their points, or if your row is iced, you remove the ice with clear skies. And that's the thing. There are ways to get rid of weather. They're just not efficiently played. There, there's no efficient way to remove weather. 
I miss those days. Remember those? Every faction had um, there was like Water Hag or something like that, yeah. where every faction had a unit that either spawned a spell like Lacerate or uh, Manticore Venom or something. They had clear skies and they had a weather effect. It was a, a three pack. It was like a utility unit in silver that was so good. It was, yeah, it was so good, and those were efficient because you didn't have to waste the spot for a clear skies if they weren't playing weather. You had this card that would able to do other things. So unfortunately, right now, card there are no cards like that that Dude, exist in like- Gwent. Yeah, I'll just bring back a flashback. Remember the meta where you had to carry clear skies in every deck in order to survive because weather was so pre- prevalent and people were like, you know, changing the whole row to once and then lacerating everything. And you could say, okay, good game, we're done. Like everybody played clear skies. There was a meta where everybody had clear skies just to run away from weather and just felt like it was such an oppressive mechanic that if we brought it back to those old days i feel like people would just get pissed off because you like two two plays in your 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 whole game plan is just basically done. you can you can yeah. spend nine turns establishing a board and running a strategy and then your opponent yeah. just removes all your points with their leader ability like can you imagine that imagine a leader ability that was worth 70 points like without with no conditions it was just no. point at a row and delete all their points. It's that's the reality of it. Um, but yeah, there was there was definitely that. Remember old old school fog. When you played fog, it would pull out all the foglets out of the deck and the graveyard. But when you removed fog, they'd all go away. So it was this tug of war. Like whoever bit yeah. first usually lost because the other player had the advantage to either remove it or reapply it. So Gwent really is better for removing that because it, it was a main element of last last say wins, which is not always the case anymore. Last say obviously has an advantage. However, it was so huge that it was like an 80-20. It, it didn't even matter what the hell was going on. As long as you preserved last say with a major push, you were just over the top uh, of your opponent. Yeah. So that's probably why whether is it, at the very least will never go back to beta because of what Pavel said. It was thank God. Yeah, it was beyond OP. Um, what what like if you were to estimate like top of the ladder, Dagon as a leader ability with the weather slash clear skies slash uh, rally. Remember rally was like clear skies yeah. was like either clear weather or rally, which was play a random yeah. bronze card from your deck. That, That's when we changed the cards, so it actually had some utility. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. It gave it a little bit of extra potential for it. But what would you say the pick rate at the top of the ladder was for Dagon? Seventy five percent. Very big, very yeah. big. Yeah, something around that was yeah. very high. So you want to talk about? That's why people still remember him and want him back in the game because he used to be a champ just yeah. with that. Ability which people thought like what weather what that's nothing. Yeah. It was that in that meta it was a lot. It was, it was everything. Like, think about like resetting everything on a row to one. Think about like having a fully boosted uh, row with with like crazy numbers and then someone just you know poo pooing on your on yeah. your game plan. It didn't even have to be boosted because it would just set this. It would set the strength yeah. of all units to one, no matter what it was. Yeah. So Dagon, I think at the time Dagon was. I mean, I've been playing Gwent for six years, or since 2016, I think. So yeah, six years. Uh, yep. Dagon is still, in my opinion, the strongest leader that has ever existed in Gwent, and it's not even close. 
Not even no. close. Whatever deck you think has been strong, if you never experienced Beta Dagon, you have no idea no. just how oppressive it was to the point where you it's had to play versatile. it. super versatile. Super versatile. Yeah, there was no downside to it. Absolutely no downside. Not to mention, you could always just use it to play Fog and thin out your deck by three units. <laughs> Easy. Like, no problem. Um, yeah, that that's definitely not coming back, and I'm okay with that. I'm also okay with that. More than okay with that. Last, Players would hate us for that. Last, yeah, they'll, they'll, hate, they'll hate you for everything. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> last question from Java and Beer. That, hey, Java and Beer. Coffee and Beer, dude? All day long. I don't know if you're... Were you ever a fan? I don't know if you got it in Poland, but uh, the Drew Carey show? Mm, I watched it, but I think it was only when I was in the States. But here, I don't think it made it. So the Drew Carey show, part of the, the overarching story was he had a side business that he ran out of his garage which was he brewed his own beer which was called buzz beer and the whole concept of buzz beer was that they mixed coffee and beer they're like oh we'll get both markets and it was like a huge success so when i hear java and beer all i think about is uh is coffee beer which is like it's it's a thing now dude coca-cola has now coffee and coke mixed together i don't know if you knew this but i was saying i'm like the second that they release like a diet vanilla version of coke coffee it's over like that is basically the end of my life that is all i'm going to be drinking yeah it's dangerous i don't drink coke thankfully oh you're a smart man um so the question from java and beer is who wins pavkov gale versus han solo and i think that this is this one well i (sighs) what's the answer then han solo oh thank god thank you Thank you. He thank has a you. blaster. How, and I before he Pavko loads the the arrow, he's already like turned to you know dust. Yep. One of the things that I always Plus, fall remember back, Han shot first. Han did shoot first. Pavko's gonna be like he's gonna be there, be like, want some? Leaks? I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the Greedo or something. So yeah, like, you're gonna be there talking uh, about solo. <laughs> yeah, Uta Guta solo, and he's just gonna yeah. absolutely yeah um, fry me <laughs> completely. Uh, Crispo. Definitely, big time, Crispa. Um, Kentucky Fried Leeks. <laughs> oh, that's a that's pretty. That's a, actually sounds delicious. Yeah. You can deep fry anything yeah. and make it taste delicious. But exactly, I gotta say Han Solo, and I'll tell you why. Because I don't think that Pavko is an aggressive person, so they will never shoot first, like you said. They will always be will respond. And Han is Han is fearless in in many regards. Like for instance. When he's, he's when when he's on Cloud City and they go to they go to dinner and it turns out that Vader is there at dinner, the first thing that Han does is pulls out his blaster and fires off two shots. Yeah, not even thinking. The most badass, feared entity. Trigger in the happy always. <laughs> oh, dude, just yeah. He. This is why I. This is why I kind of dislike what they. I don't say what they did to to Han Solo, but the Han Solo prequel movie or like the solo movie they really disneyfied him where they made him righteous they made him virtuous that was never how he was supposed to be he was a pirate he was a drug smuggler that worked for crime syndicates and had killed a bunch of people he was a pirate that was his whole gimmick and the whole thing was that he fell for a stronger more you know he fell for a strong-minded strong brave woman that was leia he had somebody who he finally was like, wow, you're not just my equal. You're like, you're somebody that I, 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 I can respect. Like, you're somebody who I, that I, I see. He was also a narcissist. Like, he was very much yeah. 
self self absorbed, but he he saw someone. I still I still remember him and her interaction during the Battle of Hoth, where he's leaving and he's like, and she keeps on like calling him names. It goes like scruffy looking. Is like, what do you mean scruffy looking? Yeah, that's she, the one that like, gets call him. Call him all the worst stuff and 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 him kind of being like your highness i'm leaving and stuff like yeah. that which was just it's such a great inter interaction but it also shows off his personality that he doesn't care he's like he like even shows like multiple times especially in the old trilogy he's like he cares about himself but then through the process you see him evolving and changing and actually caring about others and also these people that he meets along the way which, you know, it's, it's less about the money, less about the mission. It's more about, you know, this friendship that they, that they um, created here. Uh, it's, that's yeah. the beauty. There's so many good lines from Star Wars that people kind of don't forget. Like the one where uh, they're, they're, the, the ship is not running. And then Leia's like, you want me to get out and push? And he's like, yeah, that might help. Like, <laughs> like they're, in the, they're in the blackness void of space. And yeah. she's like, she makes a comment and he's like, yeah. That'll help get out of there. And uh, that one or the one where he refers to her as a committee. And she's like, I'm not a committee. <laughs> it's just, there's some good lines, but so it's got to be Han Solo because Han yeah. Solo, honestly, is is a, a murderous thug. Like, that's. I appreciate, though, I appreciate the com comparison because Pofko is a hawker smuggler. So he smuggles things to the elves and sells it to them um to which is something that have doesn't happen very uh very much in the witcher universe because uh, normally like humans and non-humans and elves and dwarves they don't interact with each other because humans are portrayed in the universe as racist and their humans are always fighting against the elves and elves always feel superior to the humans and the hawkers are kind of the ones that are kind of helping to smuggle and sell stuff so it kind of makes, I, I like the comparison, right? The comparison there is, is very nice. But yeah, I mean, uh, and you know, any, I mean, unless you're a freaking Legolas who, you know, is firing like a machine gun arrows, then, yeah. then maybe if you get like an upper hand. But I feel like if Han Solo saw anything in terms of like a threat from Pofko, he would just take out the blaster and shoot him. And and I think just this, this is like technological, like, rift between them is not something that unless they both have blasters and i don't know who has a better reaction time but i think han solo is more think less like shoot first ask questions later yeah and pofko is more like i'll ask questions first and then i'll fire and then you know you know he's already turned into bacon all things equal i think it would go to the to the 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 individual who had the initiative and han is somebody who always takes the initiative han is always the one who is like like you mentioned shoot first ask questions later and if there's one perfect example of that is when they're rescuing the princess and they're in the detention cell block and there's all kinds of commotion and then someone asks like what's going on up there he's like uh just a slight weapon spell function uh, everything is uh, everything is optimal here uh everything is good here uh how how are you <laughs> and then the person's like wait who is that what's your operating number and he just shoots the console shoots the thing. and he's like a boring conversation anyways uh, we're gonna have same, company <laughs> same thing happens when they're in the garbage crusher disposal thing he like starts shooting and then the, the beans yeah. start like jumping <laughs> off of stuff he's like well that was a great idea yeah, yeah. <laughs> he almost got us killed like it's just yeah. so good uh all right well that that's it for the the mailbag this week um and uh good discussions again about everything frankly and new cards 
are coming everywhere. As uh, even Flesh and Blood has a new cards that came out this week. So awesome, awesome stuff. The more, the better. This is what we love. This is this is our leak season right now. We're we're, we're harvesting all the good stuff and thinking about which w- what to play, where, and which deck, which faction, which whatever, where to put it in. And it's just uh, I love this time. When you said so, this is a, and it's open weekend. Uh, so massive tournaments happening in Gwent, which is always good to see. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just super stoked, man, all the way around. Card games are my life, and this makes me super happy. Amen. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Flurza Experience, a show about cards, but so much more. I am Flake, as always, joined by Pavel Berger. Don't forget, you say it. You're, you're not, you're, you know, you're not losing if you're learning. You're not losing <laughs> if you're learning. Be kind. We'll see you next time. And keep playing the game. Keep playing the game. Bye. Bye.